Welcome to Joyful Eating for PCOS and Gut Health, ultimate podcast to learn how to find relief from hormonal and digestive pains while preserving the pleasure of eating. You'll learn from your host, Trista Chan, a registered dietitian and founder of The Good Life Dietitian, along with guest experts on how to understand your health through science and mind-body connection, which diet trends to ignore and explore, all with an accessible and inclusive lens. So let's get started. For the past five years, I swear to you, not a single week has gone by without me hearing the term cheat day. Whether it's, you know, passing joke at a party, we're by the snack table. I also hear this one-on-one weekly with my clients. A common question I get is, hey, Trista, what do you think about cheat days? Can I have a cheat day on the weekends? Or whether it's nighttime, I'm trying to decompress, scroll on TikTok on the couch, and then I get a bunch of what I eat in a cheat day type videos. They're everywhere. So personally, as a dietitian, I do cringe a little bit, to put it lightly, when I hear the word cheat applied to your food and eating. That's for two main reasons. One, a lack of strong evidence showing how it improves your metabolic health and an exaggeration of the existing evidence. And two, the toll that this can have on your relationship with food, it is really the perfect setup for guilt, binge eating, and overeating. So today, I'm going to explore how cheat days impact your hormones, the the physiological effects, I'm also going to talk about psychologically how cheat days can harm you and what I recommend instead of cheat days and how to start this new eating pattern in three simple steps. But let's get started defining what a cheat day actually is. So for most people, it's six days a week. You're following a really regimented diet, right? Maybe it's controlled, restrictive, there's specific you know, off-limit foods. And on that last day, for most people it's Saturday, sometimes it's Sunday, you know, the holy day, right? That's when you can really indulge and go hard on all those foods that you've deprived yourself of for the last six days. And you're really looking forward to this. And this is, you know, the pinnacle of your week. And for most people, this means on that one day a week, you end up eating a lot more energy and macronutrients than what you were on those previous six days of the week. So oftentimes it's higher caloric intake, higher food volume. And why do people do this on a physiological level? What does it promise? Is that cheat days promise that this one day is an opportunity to eat whatever you want in unlimited quantities. And it's under the pretense that it'll quote, boost your metabolism. And the theory behind this is that when you eat a lot of food in a short period of time, also known as intermittent overeating, is that it tricks your hormone cycle into creating more leptin, aka your fullness hormone. And since you have more of that fullness hormone, you'll likely eat less later on. And yes, while studies do support this, keep in mind that your leptin is only shown to increase for about 12 hours after a meal. And there's 168 hours in a week. So that's only 0.07% of your week 
where your fullness hormone is increased and your appetite is decreased. So when we take a step back and we contextualize these quote, you know, metabolic changes that comes from a day of overeating, they're tiny, tiny, tiny. And to be honest, this is nothing revolutionary. It makes sense. We know this. When you eat large amounts of food, when you eat more energy-dense foods, you are going to be full for longer. So it makes sense that your leptin hormones are going to increase, theoretically. And I think it's just like a universal principle that we all know by this point. You know, whoever's listening, you likely know by now, if you eat a larger meal, you'll be fuller for longer. So when you go online and you see all these people saying, cheat day, cheat day meals, boost your leptin, boost your hormone level. That's 0.07% of your fullness hormone that's increased. That's going to keep you fuller for longer. And let's address another component of the cheat meals that states that these cheat meals increase your metabolism. And actually, studies do suggest there is a slight increase in your metabolism by 3 to 10% after a short period of overeating. But keep in mind, this 3 to 10% metabolic increase is so small, and it is also for a very short period of time. And it isn't necessarily enough of an increase in the metabolic rate to match the likely increased caloric density and energy that you eat in said cheat day. So you eat a lot more food than you typically would. Oftentimes this also feels out of control and we'll chat a little bit about those psychological impacts next. Ultimately with cheat days and physiological impacts, it'll make you feel full for longer because your leptin hormones are increased for 12 hours. You may have an increased metabolism by 3 to 10% for a very short period of time, but ultimately you are back at baseline right where you were when you started. So in terms of the metabolic effects and the physical impacts of cheat days, there really is not much. Now let's move on to the psychological impact of cheat days, my favorite. When you... Think of the word cheat, what comes to mind? So personally for me, I think of cheating on my partner. I think of cheating on an exam. And the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines cheat as to practice fraud or trickery. So it's wild to me that diet culture has taken the word cheat that is pretty objectively like bad, right? Like it's it's fraud, it's trickery, and, and applied it to food, and which is an essential piece of our survival. Food is not only nutrients though, but it's a way for us to relate to others, to practice self-care, to honor our culture. And you can learn so much about different cultures and people through food, but I, I digress. I'm going on my <laughs> food love tangents. So what this does though, is when we take the word cheat and apply it to food it is it promotes a lot of black and white thinking and adds a lot of morality to food something that is just food at the end of the day and this creates such a complex relationship with food that ultimately increases the risk of disordered eating and eating disorders in fact a study of over 2700 young adults found that 
although cheat days were normalized and even promoted in some communities, and I see this often in fitness communities, engaging in the cheat day behavior is linked to greater eating disorder behaviors, including binge eating episodes. And I want to say that binge eating is eating that feels out of control. It's not, you know, when we think of binge eating, we sometimes, we have very clear visions of what binge eating looks like. We have a very, you know, defined idea of what that person looks like, their body, how much food they're eating, what types of food they're eating. But binge eating at its core is any type of eating that feels out of control. It's not tied to a specific type of food. It's not tied to food volume. It's not tied to a certain body type. It's simply that loss of control. And when we view foods as good or bad, we live in black and white. Monday to Saturday will be good. Sunday is our bad day. That sets us up for living in a world in which we're constantly in a cycle of restricting and then overeating slash binging. And that is why ultimately I don't recommend cheat days. And I'll tell you what I recommend instead in a bit. So what I often see in one-on-one clients is that most of us are living in extremes around food. Think of it like a pendulum. We're on one end of the extreme most days of the week, restricting, Lots of food rules, a lot of virtue, right? We see this as a very positive character trait within us. And then when we finally let go of that control, we swing from one end of the pendulum to the other end of the pendulum. And that's just gravity doing its thing. We feel out of control where, you know, because we haven't given ourselves permission to eat all foods, now we feel like this is the only time. And it's that what the hell effect. We take one bite and we're like, oh, what the hell, I already failed. So I'm going to continue eating this until I'm so uncomfortable because I know Monday I'll start fresh again. And this is a very exhausting way to live. And it's, it's very demoralizing, right? And it doesn't set us up for success when it comes to finding sustainable eating behaviors and sustainable nutrition that make us feel good. So even if you're stuck in a space where you feel like you need this, to feel in control, I promise you that by letting go of some of that control and slowly adopting more of an all foods fit approach, that pendulum will start to swing into less and less of the extremes and settle somewhere in the middle where we're comfortable, where we're feeling good, where we're able to practice gentle nutrition, listen to our bodies and eat in a way that honors our health. And what I recommend instead is an all foods fit approach. So what if we allowed ourselves and what if we gave ourselves permission to enjoy all foods that we truly want that makes our bodies and minds feel good every day and ironically when we give ourselves full permission to enjoy all foods the urge to binge decreases and you may think trista I can't be around chocolate or I can't keep ice cream in the house. Are you crazy? I would never stop eating it. What do you mean give myself permission? I can't. And I hear this all the time. 
But my answer to that is that there is so much power in permission and food habituation that over time, once you normalize these foods, you take them off the pedestal you've put them on, you no longer see them as a forbidden fruit. We all want the forbidden fruit. It's exciting, it's sexy, it's shameful, right? Then that urge to binge will on that one food will decrease over time because you just see it as food and there's not all this complex emotion driving your want for it. It's really just what your body wants. That's going to drive some of those food decisions. So I know that's a lot. (laughs) I know that is a lot. But let's walk through three simple steps that can help you slowly move from a cheat meal or cheat day mindsets into more of an all foods fit approach. So step one, I want you to take out a list and write down those foods that you love to cheat with. Is it, you know, fried dumplings? Is it pizza? Is it chocolate? Whatever it is, I want you to write them down and plan for some of them in your weekday. Strategically place those fun foods in your week. So what's that one food you crave all week leading up to cheat day? Can you integrate into your weekdays along with balanced nourishing meals? And if you're once again, you're thinking, I can't have it in the house, I'll finish it every day. I challenge you to go through that process, get your body in motion and notice Even if you do that in the first week, second week, third week, do you truly think you will continue to only eat this food every single day for the rest of your life? Likely not. Eventually you will undergo food habituation and it'll lose its excitement. It's like starting a job, you know, we all are so excited for our first job after school, right? We're starting our career. We're so excited. Maybe a year later, we're not waking up every day, right? Super thrilled to go crush our workday, right? We become habituated to it. Step two, I challenge you to view time as fluid and not fixed. In my opinion, I know there's different philosophies of thinking around this, and I'm certainly a dietitian, not a philosopher, but when it comes to nutrition, I challenge you to view time as a fluid concept. In my opinion, it is not fixed when it comes to food. Can we challenge ourselves to stop seeing our health, our eating as a Monday to Friday strict job and start thinking of it as a lifelong concept? We are in our bodies, we're in our minds for a life. And yes, people say life is short, but life is actually technically the longest thing you'll ever do. So why not make it comfortable yourself for yourself around food, which is something we have to eat every single day. So planting the seed there, right? Can we start seeing our eating habits as fluid? If we have a food that typically is off limits, can't instead of letting that snowball into the full day and thinking what the hell I already messed it up right tomorrow is a new day can we just realize that time is fluid and that every single minute every single second you're able to make conscious decisions 
And step three is the power of journaling. So for all of my clients, every single one of them who struggle with their relationship with food or struggle with PCOS, irritable bowel syndrome, I always ask them to keep a food and mood journal and symptoms if they're addressing that as well. So there's so much power in food and mood journaling. And this is journaling, not tracking your macros, not tracking your calories. It's really just writing down what you're eating, when, and how you feel, the emotions around that. And I challenge you to start with a few times per week because even the process of slowing down, of checking in with your emotional state, of the why you're eating, when, you can learn so much. And there's so much power in self-reflection as well. Maybe you notice that a period of wanting to restrict right, comes from a specific trigger. Maybe when you're sad or bored or restless or lonely, that's when you actually want to turn to food for comfort. So there's so much you can learn about yourself. And in my one-on-one nutrition coaching programs, I actually work closely with my clients, my team and I, to review these food and mood journals, identify any trends, any opportunities for improvements, and use that as a tool to help support their self-growth towards gentle and sustainable nutrition practices. So these are all assigned templates and pre-done for you that we work on and fill out together throughout three-month coaching programs. So to summarize, when it comes to the physical impact of cheat days, those metabolic changes like increase in fullness hormone, increase in metabolic rates, are minimal, such a small percent of our day, of our hours. And there's really no point on a physical level to engage in cheat days. When it comes to psychological impact of cheat days is that this black and white thinking and morality around food can promote disordered eating. I promise you there is a more peaceful and less regimented way to live around food, right? And three steps to get towards that is one, plan for some cheat foods in your weekday. Strategically place those foods. Two, challenge you to view your time as fluid and not fixed. So if you didn't eat in a way you wanted to, that doesn't support your health at one meal, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a failure. Eating habits are fluid. They're lifelong and you're in it for the long game. And three, Try some food and mood journaling, so much power in self-reflection. And and if you're listening, you're really struggling with the concept of cheat meals, you don't know where to get started, you don't know how to integrate these principles of gentle nutrition, then you can join us in our one-on-one nutrition coaching programs where we give you that full support, mealtime support, mindful eating support, to help you develop lifelong nourishing habits. And if you're stuck in the dieting cycle and you have PCOS, then you're going to want to check out our complete guide to PCOS management course, which gives you step-by-step tools to manage your symptoms without dieting, but using self-loving nutrition and lifestyle habits. And I'll link those below. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll chat soon.